Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Thanks for joining me. Today, we will talk about gas pains. That's the burning sensation you feel when you fill your tank and fall short of the EPA estimates for your vehicle. Is it because of the way you drive, or are the EPA estimates unrealistic, or are the automakers gaming the system to produce numbers you won't get in the real world? We will discuss those and other questions today with John O'Dell, Senior Editor of Edmunds.com, who covers fuel efficiency and green vehicles. Before we try to provide temporary relief from gas pains, here is today's auto news you might be able to use. Is there a turbocharged engine in your future? The chances are getting better. Volkswagen, which last week said it would offer 14 electric or hybrid models by next year, said this week that all of its gas engines would be turbocharged within four years. The Detroit News quoted a Volkswagen executive as saying that VW is going to phase out its current gas engines and replace them with turbo engines. Ford also is planning to make more turbos. Ford calls its turbo engines EcoBoost and now offers five of them. Company executives say that will increase over time. Ford currently offers EcoBoost engines in several cars and SUVs and in the F-150 pickup. Even Ford's latest Taurus police car will be available with a turbocharged four-cylinder. Other manufacturers also are adding turbocharged engines because a turbo allows using a smaller engine that gets better fuel economy and still have the power customers want. You're probably familiar with the EPA fuel economy labels that are posted on a side window of every new vehicle sold in the United States. Now, there also are fuel economy labels for used cars and trucks. You can go to the EPA's fuel economy site, that's fueleconomy.gov, download a label, print it, and tape it to the window of a vehicle you're trying to sell. The label shows the city, highway, and combined fuel economy estimates, how many gallons per mile the vehicle will burn, and how much CO2 it will emit. Plus, it has a photo of the vehicle and a QR code that a smartphone can read. The label notes that the fuel economy estimates are for when the vehicle was new and warns that actual fuel economy will vary for many reasons. We will discuss those reasons in detail during this show. The EPA and the Department of Energy developed a used car fuel economy label because about three out of four vehicles sold each year are used. Use of the labels is voluntary, so used car dealers won't be required to post them on vehicles they sell. Last week's show was about car seats and child safety in vehicles, and this Saturday is National Seat Check Saturday. Organizations around the country will offer free child seat inspection Saturday to make sure kids are in the right type of seat and that the seat is correctly installed. You can find out if there's an inspection site near you by visiting Parents Central at safercar.gov. That's the website for the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Or by going to safekids.org. If you're a parent, a parent-to-be, a grandparent, take your car, your kids, and their car seats to an inspection site to make sure you're doing it right. That's this Saturday, National Seat Check Saturday. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. Fuel economy may not be the top or only consideration for choosing a vehicle, but for many consumers, it is a major consideration. The EPA fuel economy estimates, which have been required on new vehicles since 1975, are what many use to compare the operating costs of different vehicles before they buy. And manufacturers that claim high fuel economy tout those numbers in their marketing as a competitive advantage. 
but getting the EPA estimates in real-world driving is difficult for many drivers, seemingly impossible for some. Here to talk about the EPA fuel economy estimates and what you should expect in the real world is John O'Dell, Senior Editor of Edmunds.com, the well-known automotive information site. John covers issues concerning fuel efficiency and green vehicles for Edmunds. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Rick, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And, John, for years the EPA warned that your gas mileage may vary, and somewhere along the line that changed from a threat to a promise. (laughs) And the EPA now says your mileage will vary. And this is after they made a couple of major adjustments to their mileage tests and ratings. Why is this so many drivers, or that many drivers, may not achieve the EPA's estimates? Well, um, it's good that they, they did change it to will vary. I think most most uh, automotive journalists have been writing that uh, a lot longer than, than the EPA was. But um, uh, you know, it's a one-size-fits-all test. Uh, there are... 250 million vehicles on the on the road. There aren't that many individual drivers, but let's say there's 100 million drivers on the road. There's basically 100 million different ways a car can be driven or a truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, the EPA uh, tests each model one way, and they test all models the same way. Uh, there's slightly different tests for uh, electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids, just because they're unique powertrains. But everything else gets tested on the on the same same test using the same protocol. So it's one size fits all. And when that happens, you know you're going to have variances. It's just impossible uh, uh, for that not to happen. You know, the big issue is how big those variances can get. And and that's where we're seeing some problems erupt these days. I see. And and uh, just could you briefly explain uh, how they do the two tests, city, highway. <laughs> I, I can I can try to do it briefly. They have you know thousands of pages of uh, documents, <laughs> and uh, it's sort of like boiling down the Declaration of Independence to a twit, uh, a, twi- <laughs> a Twitter uh, feed. But um, uh, let's go at the low speed test or the city test. Uh, they uh, it lasts 31 minutes. Well, first of all, the cars are not actually driven on a road. Right. They're they're put on a dynamometer, which is basically a treadmill for cars, and um, they have skilled operators who you know can remotely control the the, the throttle, uh, uh, etc. of the vehicles, and they drive them on this treadmill. Uh, according to a very specific set of, uh, of uh, you know, instructions, speed up, slow down, go to this speed, apply the brakes, uh, you know, coast, whatever. Um, the, the low speed of the city uh, uh, cycle is 31 minutes. Uh, they cover 11 miles. Uh, the average speed is 21.2 miles per gallon. The engine is cold when you start it. Uh, there are 23 stops, and they idle uh, 18% of the time. And the air conditioning is off. Uh, then when we go to the highway and the top speed, uh, you know, be, uh, because even in the city you can sometimes go fast, it's 56 miles an hour. But there's a very brief uh, spurt of that. Mostly with a 21 mile uh, an hour average speed, you can tell that you know, most of the speeds are well below that. Uh, the highway test is uh, only 12 and, a, 12 and three quarters minutes long. It covers 10 miles. Uh, the average speed is 48.3 miles per hour. The top speed is 60 miles per hour. Uh, the, they, they don't stop the car. The car doesn't idle, uh, which if, yeah, I'm cer- certainly in, in my area in Southern California is, uh, a, 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 an error right there for highway driving because if you drive on the highways during the rush hour, you're idling more than you're not. Right. Uh, but in any event, and, uh, you have a warm engine, and uh, the air conditioning is off. Uh, again. Again. <laughs> uh, they do have, they've added, the, the last uh, iteration, they added uh, an air conditioning test, which is basically the highway test, uh, uh, the high-speed highway test, uh, which is 10 minutes long. And uh, But they only get up to 54.8 miles per hour, and they do use uh, the, the air conditioner. Uh, and, and they, they have the lab heated up to 95 degrees. Uh, they also do a cold test now, which they never used to do, and they, they have this short high-speed test. And then they average all that stuff, uh, weighted averages. They, they mush it all together, 
and they come up with some numbers. Uh, they don't, however, measure the amount of gasoline that's left in the tank after that. You know, after they've done all this running, uh, and nor do they use the gas gauge. They actually put a bag, an airtight bag, on the tailpipe, and what they measure is the amount of carbon dioxide that is captured. I see. Uh, and that's because there's a fixed amount. Every gallon of gasoline burns, uh, I can't remember the exact number. It's a gallon weighs 7.7 pounds, something like that. Uh, uh, I hope my, my math is, is right there. But whatever a gallon of gas weighs, I think it's around 7 pounds, um, it, it emits something like 31 or 32 pounds of CO2. Anyhow, they, what they do is they weigh the CO2, and that they consider that a more accurate measure of how much fuel the vehicle has burned. The other thing that they do is they use what is called, quote-unquote, pure gasoline. It's not adulterated with any kind of an oxygenator. Uh, almost all of the gasoline sold in the retail market in the United States of America has somewhere between uh, 6 and 10% uh, methanol, or excuse me, ethanol in it. Which could reduce your mileage. Uh, we've, we've always figured about 2%. Okay. It, it, can, it can affect your, you know, you can have up to a 2% reduction in, in fuel economy. Okay. With, hey, uh, just, just, uh, uh, want to interject here is that you mentioned that the highway test is done at 48.3 miles well, per hour. Well, that's an average yeah. speed, but yeah. Well, um, last Sunday I was, uh, it was pretty heavy rainstorm. I was on an expressway in the western, northwestern suburbs and, uh, the speed limit was 55, and the traffic was moving between 65 and 70. Well, exactly. Um, so. I, I live in Southern California. Uh, there's a, a very heavily, several very heavily traveled freeways where I, where I'm at, and you're either going 85 or you're barely moving. There are no inter- intermediate speeds. If if a space opens up, everyone puts their foot to the floor and goes 85 until they have to slam on the brakes again, and then they're in a traffic jam. And on a Saturday or a Sunday, if you go 65, you better be in the slow lane and you better be prepared to be honked at even then. <laughs> um, it's you know, I mean, you know, we're not a patient people, we Americans. At least, at least not in the urban areas. No, uh, we aren't. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, people sometimes, you know, say, "Well, you must be a real lead foot based on yeah. your fuel economy." I said, "No, I'm keeping up with traffic." Uh, well, that that probably does make you a lead foot. But a lead foot is re- really has to do it has to do in part with your top speed, but it really has to do with how quickly you accelerate. Right. And how you know, I'm one of those people who likes to be the first one across the intersection. Uh, just the way I am. And so I'd never expect to get EPA mileage in a car I buy. But there are a lot of reasons. Uh, most of them are controllable. Uh, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, individual drivers contribute most heavily in most cases to why they're not getting, uh, you know, if they're not getting close, why they're not getting close to EPA, uh, uh, you know. So, so it's, it's us more mileage. than them. It's us more than them in most cases. We've had a couple of rather egregious cases recently of uh, uh, of automakers having to uh, roll back some uh, mileage claims. Uh, the first, uh, uh, actually, people missed this. There was a one particular BMW model a few years ago that that had to do a rollback. Uh, the big one was, of course, Kia uh, Hyundai and its Kia, uh, you know, partner. Uh, they rolled back, I think, a total of ten models, uh, somewhere between one and four miles per. Gallon. Some of right. them were a little bit more than that, but on average, it was one to four miles, I think, per gallon. And then uh, Ford recently rolled back the uh, uh, the the was it was C-Max. the C Max. Uh, Hybrid, right. not the plug-in. The C-Max hybrid was rolled back from 47 miles per gallon to 43 miles per gallon. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, there's some different stories uh, that can be told about, about all of that, and uh, we'll get into them, uh, you know, uh, uh, when you think it's appropriate. I don't okay. want to bounce all over. We have to take a break, and so how about if we, uh, we get into the uh, Ford's issues uh, when okay. we come back? That'll be fine. All right. We have to pause here, but please stay tuned to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. And when we come back, we'll continue talking with John O'Dell of Edmunds.com about what's right and what's wrong with the EPA fuel economy numbers. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is John O'Dell, C 
Senior Editor of Automotive Information Site, Edmunds.com, and for several years, John has covered green vehicles and fuel efficiency. If you have a question or comment for John, the phone lines are open. You can join the conversation by calling 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Before the break, John, we were talking about uh, Ford's recent announcement that it was going to reduce the mileage rating on the C-MAX hybrid to 43 miles per gallon from 47. How do you think that happened, that they were so far off? Um, one moment. I'll, I'll get to that. But I wanted to mention something uh, from the previous uh, segment. We were, we were talking about uh, the EPA test. And something I think that's very critical uh, to mention is uh, that uh, two things that they also do uh, that are going to affect how people, when they get into a new car, what they see on their uh, fuel economy versus what, what's on the window sticker. Um, the uh, tested cars don't have any, anything in them. There's no passengers. There's no cargo load. There's ah. nothing in the trunk. So they're probably going to be a much lighter car than what you are driving. Uh, and also they use a broken-in vehicle. You know, that's got 5,000 or more miles. I didn't summer. know that. Uh, yeah. uh, whereas, uh, and, and they're in absolutely perfect mechanical condition, uh, uh, before they're tested. Uh, and, uh, most of us will find that a brand new car doesn't develop its, its optimum fuel economy. Right. Until the engine's got somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple thousand to 5,000 miles on it. So, uh, when you have a new car and you're watching intently, which is, period you usually watch the most intently right when you buy it <laughs> you know you notice hey it's not getting up there well because they didn't test a brand new car with 10 miles on the odometer and uh, a wife a uh, husband and three kids in the in, in you know in the back seats they tested an empty car with uh, with a broken in you know an engine that had been properly broken in etc cetera, etc cetera. and that makes a difference okay uh, so anyhow I, I just wanted to mention that that's, no that's, that's a good lose, point lose i wasn't I, I wasn't aware that it was uh you know, a broken-in vehicle. Yeah. So anyhow, to, but to go back to Ford, and uh, uh, we don't want to, you know, single them out, uh, uh, Hyundai and, and the others, um, you know, the question immediately comes up, well, were they cheating? In Ford's case, probably not. They were taking advantage of the rules. Right. The rules say that if you have a couple of vehicles that are basically built on the same platform, meaning they have the same wheelbase, they have the same overall uh, length, uh, the same engine and transmission, uh, you know, set up, that uh, the same uh, weight, basic weight, you can extrapolate from one test on one model to the other models or model or models that you know share all those same characteristics. And that's what they did. They tested the Ford Fusion Hybrid, and then they extrapolated those numbers to the Ford C-Max Hybrid. Which uses the same engine and same hybrid engine, system. Same engine, it's basically yeah, right. the same platform, uh, you know, it's the same overall size size car in terms of length with height, uh, not height, uh, weight, I meant to say. Right. Um, what the rules don't take into account, among other things, are aerodynamics. If you look at a Ford Fusion, which is a pretty sleek, you know, four-door sedan, and you look at a C-Max, which is a, a high-backed uh, uh, hatchback, uh, more wagon-styled, uh, you probably are correct in thinking that, gee, that's aerodynamically not as, you know, mm-hmm. as nice, uh, uh, nicely set up as, as the Fusion. I don't have the CD numbers on the two cars. I, I'm sorry. I was going to try to collect those, and I didn't. They may be very, very close, but it's Highly doubtful that they're 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 identical, and uh, and so you know they extrapolated because the rules said we could, and hey, we got a great reading on a a why not you know put it on B as well, and then they put the cars out in the uh, in the real world and found that uh, people were really complaining, not so much about the fusion although it's it's off too uh, for for most users, but uh, but also about the C Max. I have a great story about the C Max, however. What's that? Um, uh, the local uh, I think it was the NBC affiliate here in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, had a, a communication from a, a couple who had bought a C-Max hybrid and complained that bitterly that they just couldn't get anywhere near 47 miles per mm-hmm. gallon out of that car, no matter what they did. And uh, they contacted us 
because they know we we test cars and we have a, a, a test loop and and uh, and uh, for fuel economy, and they asked us to give them a hand. So our test director uh, took uh, a Ford C Max hybrid, not that Ford C Max hybrid, but a Ford C Max hybrid, and ran it on the test loop and said, "Well, lo and behold, that." Driving the test loop the way we drive the test loop, which is a fairly calm style of driving, no you know quick starts, mm-hmm. no you know emergency braking unless you have to, uh, keeping to the speed limit. It's a basically an on road, non highway course. Uh, there are some close to sixty mile an hour stretches, but but not too many. A uh, lot of uh, of uh, terrain changes, uh, you know, uh, areas with a lot of traffic and areas with not much traffic. It's one hundred and five miles long. And uh, uh, he drove it and said, I got 50, I, was, I can't remember the exact digit, but it was 50 point something miles per gallon. This is Edmund's uh, driving? Yeah, this is, this is us doing it. And that, yeah. that, that, that story is, uh, is it's on our Uh-oh. website. Um, so then uh, the people said, well, you, know, well, you must have done something wrong. We certainly can't get it with our car. So we took their car. And our test director drove it on and got 50 point something miles per gallon. Uh oh. <laughs> Which goes to show that if you, you have a fairly, I'll call it a Casper milk toastish style of driving, <laughs> you're much more likely to get at or close to the EPA, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh estimated mileage in a, in a particular vehicle than, than if not. Uh, you know, and we're not saying that the, that the, the couple were horrible drivers or anything else. Uh, they're driving in Southern California, and you have to drive certain ways. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, on our test loop, we drive a very conservative uh, style, and the reason is because that's a rep, you know, the same guy drives that test loop for all the cars we test for fuel economy, and, you know, he's got it down pat. He pretty much drives them all pretty much the same way. I mean, it's not an, an automatic, uh, you know, it's not an autonomous vehicle, uh, so you can't guarantee that every drive is going to be exactly right. Same. But he's tried to smooth everything out so he can drive them as close as as, as humanly possible. And, uh, you know, so that's one example of, well, you couldn't do it, but it is doable. I see. Uh, you know, we're not saying everybody should drive that way or, or, or can drive that way. We're just saying that if you drive, drove it that way, apparently you can get the 47 miles per gallon out of out of the, the vehicle. Uh, but, you know, that's no help for people who buy one expecting to get 47 or close to it and, you know, are getting 32, 34, 35, 38. Uh, and we've seen all those numbers. Right. So, um, but 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 we think that's, and we're pretty confident that's what happened in the Ford case. It was simply they, you know, they didn't really test that. Car. Right. It, they, it, may, they they may have known internally, but you know they 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 were going to take advantage of the rules. And the rules is right. you can use the number for the other. Now, in other cases, um, and and in fact, uh, uh, they called it an error. Um, uh, people can use their own judgment as to you know how 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 much of a mistake it was. Uh, uh, one of the critical factors in the uh, mileage test is what's called the uh, the, the the road load factor uh, that is assigned to the vehicle before it's put on the dynamometer. What's that? This, and basically, it's very complex. I, I'm not a mathematician, I, you know, so I'm going to uh, give you a very, very dumbed-down, because I'm dumb, explanation. It's basically uh, they take the vehicle unloaded. They run it up to a, a speed of at least a, a – they do it in kilometers. In miles per hour, it works out to 77.7 miles per hour. And then on a flat course – on a normal day, I think the temperature range has to be between like 48 and 86 degrees. Uh, little to no wind, no precipitation. So a dry, smooth, flat, uh, 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 co- you know, piece of track or roadway. The vehicle then the acceleration accelerator is released and the vehicle coasts, and you coast until it gets down to about 15. I think it's 15.5 miles per hour. Uh, I said that as if I'm asking you. I believe it is 15.5 miles per hour, and um, they do this five times, ten times, five times east-west, and five times uh, west-east or north-south, south-north. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole lot of math that goes into factoring things, but it, it has to do with the weight of the vehicle, its aerodynamics, how long it takes the coast down, etc. They assign a number, uh, a factor, and that's the road load. 
And that affects the outcome it of the... It greatly affects it. And if you increase or decrease the road load, you can dramatically impact what the dynamometer test is going to show. Okay, let me, let me just ask this then, is that if I'm not mistaken, they take the most popular version of a particular model. And let's say in the case of a Fusion, it's the base SE model. If you get a titanium, you have a sunroof. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have lots of extra weight. Right. You have uh, you have 19 or 20-inch wheels and tires, which add weight, and you probably have and, other yeah. features. You know, they also that, change the rolling resistance of the vehicle and uh, require more energy to move a 20-inch tire or a 19 right. than it does to move a, a 17 or a 16. So if I have a, a, a high-end model with all those features, I should probably not expect... Right, exactly. Yeah, you should get, you, you yeah. give yourself at least five percent off for that, okay. <laughs> if, if if not more. Oh, and by the way, they cut co- they coast down from seventy seven point seven to nine point three. I just found my little cheat sheet. Okay. Uh, and uh, so they they assign that if you if for whatever the reason, whether it is a mistake your your world class engineers made. Or it's some other reason. <laughs> you give the car a lower road load value than it actually tested at, and and the EPA doesn't do this test. The manufacturer does it. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a much different EPA rating on your uh, uh, your dynamometer test. Um, and by the way, although the EPA does back check numerous vehicles every year the EPA test that that results in the EPA mileage uh, rating that goes on the window sticker those tests are not done by the EPA they are done by the manufacturers using the EPA's right uh, uh, protocol self certification by step by step sheet of it, yeah. exactly what you are supposed to do uh, and the uh, you know the check and balance there is that for whatever the re- its reasons the EPA can pick any car at once and double check it. In which case they would do the road load test as well, but and they can do a full test, but they simply don't have the time, the money, and the equipment to to test you know the 400 plus uh, right. uh, models of cars that are uh, released every year. Right. About how many uh, vehicles does EPA actually test? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know that number off the top of my head. It's hundred plus. Okay, all right. Right around there, it's so, a lot, but you know, it's it, they, they they we would have to have a much greater expenditure, you know, in the in the EPA budget. All right, yeah. All Call your congressman. Ask for more money. There, there you go. There. Uh, we we have to take another break here, and uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about gaming the system. Can okay. they do it? And are hybrids more susceptible? Okay. All right. We will be back uh, after this break. Please stay with us. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back. We're talking today about gas pains, a common ailment that motorists everywhere could experience at the pump. And it's caused by not getting fuel economy that matches the EPA estimates for your car. My guest is John O'Dell, senior editor of automotive information site Edmunds.com, and he covers green vehicles and fuel efficiency issues, including including the EPA's fuel economy estimates. If you have a question or comment, the phone lines are open. You can call us at 888-463-6748. Again, that's 888-463-6748. John, uh, in in uh, recent news about Ford and its issues with the uh, mileage of the C-Max hybrid, there's a you know you see this mentioned in media a lot, and questions arise: Are they gaming the system when the uh, manufacturers do these tests? Can they game the system? Uh, this is going to be a short segment um, uh, because I I am not enough of an engineer to tell you how, but uh, I would. Pose, and we covered, uh, you know, we talked about that a bit uh, in the last segment. They can certainly game it by fudging the numbers on the, on that road load test right. we, we described. Uh, you know, if you want to uh, call what Ford did, 
did or apparently did uh, by by simply extrapolating one to the other, even though they may have known internally that you know that wasn't quite kosher. Uh, uh, you know the. the uh, uh, you know, took advantage of the system. If that's gaming, then yes, they can game it. I'm presuming they can also game it, uh, uh, it by, uh, you know, making, again, making sure that the car that they test is as, as immaculately tuned or as finely tuned for fuel economy as they can possibly get it. Right. Uh, uh, you know, but, but, you know, is it widespread? We don't think so. We maintain at Edmunds.com a, a fleet of long-term vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have them for at least a year, sometimes a year and a half to two years. We typically put 20,000 miles on them. Uh, we have about uh, anywhere from 8, eight to 15 going at any one time. And, uh, and uh, we keep incredibly close. It's one of the requirements uh, that, that everyone who drives those vehicles uh, maintains a, uh, a logbook uh, uh, you know, of, of, of fuel fills, and we have a fuel filling protocol. We don't top off. You know, uh, everybody's trained to fill the cars the, the same way. Uh, you know, et cetera. Use only the recommended grade of gas, all that good stuff. Um, and what we've found over the years is that most cars come and trucks come within two to three miles of the EPA window sticker. Which, uh, o- the... over 20,000 miles of use. And we're talking, we have 30 people, 20 plus people, close oh to 30, who are, uh, you know, authorized to drive those vehicles. We have people who, uh, and, and we've got pictures online of, you know, burning rubber and doing donuts and, you know, all sorts of harsh treatment. We have people who wouldn't think of, uh, you know, going over the speed right. limit for the, you know, all their kids around in them. We take them on long drives, on short drives. I mean, they're subject to just about everything you could possibly subject a vehicle to over a 20,000 mile, uh, except hopefully accidents. And you're, and, a, and you're saying that you generally come within two to three miles per gallon uh, of, of know, which? One uh, tank full may, may be way Right. different than the next, depending on who was driving and how they were driving it. But overall, those 20,000 miles, we keep those cars. On average, year after year, we find that the cars in our long-term fleet are usually, on average, within two to three miles of EPA. Now, on a 20-mile-per-gallon car, that's a 10%. If you're getting 18, that's a 10% difference. It's a big difference, but but we're not right. finding these big 8, 9, 10-mile-per-gallon differences Okay. on you know, on most vehicles. But, but generally below the EPA estimates? Uh, generally below. Okay. Not always. There are, there are cars, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to tick off a whole bunch of okay. them for your readers or your, your listeners today, but there are cars that, 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 that typically come in above EPA. I think, uh, in real world, I think, uh, uh almost all diesels handily do better than the EPA. Better? Uh, uh, oh, yes. And oh. it's because of the way the test is set up. I see. Um, uh, and, and, and hybrids typically uh, do worse for the same re- in real world, and, and it's for the same reason, that it's the way the test is set up. Um, uh, for one thing, uh, 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 you're, you're measuring the amount of... Um, uh, exhaust gases that are captured and you're figuring your fuel use on that so if you're testing uh you know hybrids are set up uh, all hybrids have auto stop start the more they quote unquote idle the less gasoline they're going to burn this they, that's why hybrids do so well in the uh in the EPA's city and relatively poorly on the highway it's almost mm-hmm. the, it's the reverse of a normal car it's because in the city they, there's a lot of idling, and they don't burn any gas when they're idling because the, the motor, the engine shuts down. Also, at low speeds, the hybrid gets uh, more boost from its electric motor than at high speeds. So you're using, you're augmenting, uh, you know, the gas, the gas engine with the electric power, and the gas engine doesn't have to work as hard, thus it's not burning as much gasoline right. at, at those low speeds with lots of stop and go. When you get it out on the highway, it's just the opposite. Right. And, and, and it's a less efficient engine because it's typically a smaller gas motor than you would have in that car if it were not a hybrid. Right. You don't need a big power. You know, it takes about 10 or 15 horsepower to make any car go 90 miles an hour and keep it going 90. It's... It's getting it tonight. Right. <laughs> that, that that takes all the energy. Um, and, uh, when, when, I, when I asked when I asked you about uh, gaming the system, one one thing that comes to mind is about six or seven years ago, in an off the record comment, an engineer at Argonne National Laboratory here in the Chicago area mm-hmm. 
And, and at Argon, they do a lot of testing on alternative fuels and hybrid systems. Mm-hmm. He said we they uh, had reversed reverse engineered a Prius, mm-hmm. and they said we can't prove it, but we think that the Prius is programmed to recognize the EPA city driving cycle test cycle and to go into a super uh, efficient mode when mm. that, when that happens well i have never heard that uh right. and I, i've heard lots of things i've never <laughs> heard that um uh, and th- and well, and that's what i meant when i asked about gaming yeah, the system yeah. can but you no, no, that, actually I, set up I, a vehicle to do that I presume you can. I presume you, the, the the problem is, uh, uh, but I don't know how you'd recognize the test cycle unless there's some sort of a signal or, or the fact that it's on a dynamometer as opposed to uh-huh. being, uh, you know, it seems like a lot, lot of work and, and, and <laughs> you know perhaps you could get caught. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I'd buy that one, but okay. uh, but I'm sure you can. Design the, the vehicles from the get-go and tune them to do very well right. on a test cycle that replicates, you know, the EPA cycle. Even though you know that when the car is driven the way the normal normal driver drives it, there's going to be very few times in its whole rest of its life cycle that it's ever going to replicate an EPA cycle. Right. Um, yeah. And and thus you're not going to get there. But when it when it does run on the, you know, uh, uh, you know, in a pattern that replicates the EPA cycle, does all that various stopping and going and accelerating. Also, on the EPA, the acceleration rates are very, very slow. Yes, I understand that. That it's you, uh, you and I do. Yeah, it would. Uh, you would get more than just a uh, finger flipping a bird mm-hmm. if you drove like that around here. But um, you know, and and just another point on the on the Prius is that. Just from what I've seen in in owners reporting, is that it seems like more Prius owners come close to the EPA estimates or exceed them mm-hmm. than other hybrids. That is correct, and that is because of two things. One, the Prius is probably, I mean, it is an incredibly efficient machine. Yes, and it probably you know achieved those EPA numbers, quote unquote, legitimately. Uh, uh, despite what your Argon person said, yes. and thus, you know, the fact that it, it, it achieved those numbers legitimately, uh, m- you know, more more people who drive it regularly are going to get, you know, closer. Uh, also, although uh, I don't know what your experience is out out in your neck of the woods in Southern California, I can tell you it is not my experience that Prius drivers are are uh, are calm, cautious. Milk toasty drivers. They're usually the guy passing you in the, uh, you know, going 80 in the carpool lane and beeping at you. Oh, uh, it's, it's the contrary but, uh, here, yeah, John. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> lately, anyhow, uh, I'm not quite sure why, but uh, but that's been my experience over the last couple of years. Is that Prius drivers around here seem to be pretty aggressive, but uh, but in theory, um, hi- drivers of hybrids simply because they've chosen a car that is marketed largely for right. its um, uh, its fuel efficiency, uh, they tend to be more concerned about and and thus would tend to be more likely to drive in a more conservative fashion in order to achieve better fuel economy. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, which gets us into, I think, the most important topic is, is, is what people do to screw up their fuel economy. Well, that's true. Um, I, uh, like you, I drive a lot of, uh, test vehicles, <clears throat> excuse me, borrowed from the manufacturers, and just about all of them have some kind of a, uh, fuel economy monitor mm-hmm. on there. It tells you what you're getting now. And when I, when I call that up on the dashboard, I find that I'm more likely to slow down and try to get better fuel economy when it's telling me I'm only getting 15 miles per gallon. Sure, it's like having uh, a, a backseat driver nagging you. <laughs> you know, hey, you're going too fast. Slow down. Okay. Don't accelerate so fast, John. Right. No wonder you have to stop at the gas station so often. You know, right. it, it's not talking to you, but it's there and it does remind you. Uh, I certainly know that I I change my my driving style at least for a while when I'm in a vehicle like that if I have the uh, the instantaneous readout on. Right. Uh, I also know that after a while I can learn to ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, 
Well, in a, in a Prius, you have all kinds of readings as to your uh, what your car is doing. There's, there's lots of reminders, and uh, you know, I mean, there's a whole science developing around. Uh, and it, we saw it a couple of years ago, and it was mostly initially with the hybrids. Uh, Ford, you know, has green leaves that grow. Uh, you know, various and sundry vehicles. Yes. Uh, they were doing it with the electric cars first, uh, you know, but but it's a you know it's a visual reminder that the the nicer you drive this car, the more you know reward you're going to get, the more green leaves are going to show up on your vine, the more pine trees are going to grow in your <laughs> orchard uh, if you're a leaf driver, etc. And they're moving that into other cars and not just hybrids, right? And because the idea is that that visual stimulation does in fact you know, work on a lot of people to, if you will, calm them down and turn them into um, more more fuel-efficient, cautious, you know, conscious drivers. Yeah, if only I wasn't in such a hurry uh, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I just yeah, want I've, like I said, I've learned to tune a lot of that stuff out, but uh, but it does work. Yes. All right, we have to pause for one more break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking with John O'Dell of Edmunds.com about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the EPA fuel economy test. Please stay with us. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Hello, everyone. My guest today is John O'Dell. John is the senior editor at Edmunds.com, who focuses on issues concerning green vehicles and fuel efficiency. And if you have a question or comment, the phone lines are open. Call us at 888-463-6748. Again, that is 888-463-6748. John, you mentioned earlier about some of your own driving experience and and uh, when I drive test vehicles, I keep track of the mileage generally by the trip computer or the, you know, the fuel economy monitor on the vehicle. And I just picked out five vehicles I drove recently that I think are representative of what I experienced as far as fuel economy. And that is, is that, um, uh, with at least one third of my miles on highways or expressways, one third to one half, I get a little bit above the EPA city rating. If I don't get out on the expressway, I won't even get the city rating. And I, I'm not saying that the EPA numbers are off. I'm just saying that over years, this has been my experience. I generally get closer to the city uh, rating with a mix of, say, 30 to 40% highway. I not unusual because, again, a lot of highway speeds are really city speeds, particularly if you're driving in rush hour traffic. Right. Uh, the other thing... Or is, there are super highway speeds. Uh, yeah, or, or the, yeah, there are super highway speeds, uh, and that, that will also lower your... Um, we found uh, overall that the difference between uh, sticking at 60, 65 miles per hour, and, and or the, certainly the difference between 60 and, say, driving at 70... It can change your fuel economy by twenty percent. No kidding. Yeah, it takes it. It doesn't take a lot of horsepower, but it does take a lot more more energy, and and it does take you know to 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 move through the air. Oh, I see. At higher speeds, there's a lot more resistance, and you're pushing a lot more air out of the way, and it takes energy to do that. I see. And by the way, we've done some testing our, our, ourselves on two those fuel economy gauges that the. Uh, 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 the factories, the OEMs supplying right. their vehicles, and we found that on uh, uh, average they're about five or six percent off. Uh, uh, they're not. They're not that good. You mean five percent? Uh, if it says you got twenty-eight, what is? Uh, what are you saying? Uh, the trip uh, computer says you got twenty-eight. The, the trip computer says you're uh, you're 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 getting twenty-five miles per gallon. But you're actually consuming more like uh, 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 almost uh, 28 or 29. Oh, I see. They, they okay, tend yeah. they tend to be under they, for some reason. Uh, anyhow, that that that's been our experience. I'm sorry. They the they, trip computers they, they, say less than what you actually get in the way of gas mileage. No, 
no, I'm sorry. I'm, the I'm opposite. The other it's consumption. Okay, all right. They, yeah, they, they tend to cheat to the good. They, okay, they yeah. I, I, make I, the car look a little better than it is. Yes, I, I'd say optimistic is uh, yeah. the way I... And there it, we go. They're usually optimistic. one to two miles per gallon in my experience. So. Right, yeah, well, that, then that would be about right, about 5%. You know, <laughs> that point you made about the uh, increasing your speed, uh, highway speed, is the uh, um, surprises me because, you know, the difference between, say, 60 or 70 miles per hour, and engine speed isn't big. It's not big, but, but no. it, 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 the, the, uh, the coefficient of drag, the calculation, it has to do with how much air your dis- the vehicle has to displace. Right. And um, uh, it's, it's a, uh, a Malthusian. Uh, you know, it's an algebraic progression, not a mathematical okay. progression. It's not one, two, three, four. It's one, two, four. Uh, 1632. It goes up like that. So the okay. faster you move, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of the amount of air that has to get uh, uh, dislocated by that vehicle, and the amount of energy the vehicle has to expend in order to push it aside, uh, uh, you know, gets gets a lot larger, uh, a lot faster. Uh, but uh, uh, we have done uh, a couple of, uh, of pieces over the years where we've taken you know a number of vehicles and. Uh, we call it. We test the tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, roll up your windows. Don't use the air conditioner. Oh, we found that really doesn't make any difference, any measurable difference in a modern car. Whether you have the air conditioner on or off, the windows up or down, or any combination no of those, kidding. those things, no. isn't gonna, you're not going to save a lot of gas by making yourself miserable. <laughs> uh, uh, you can, uh, you know, tire tire uh, inflation is is important. Mm-hmm. It's important for safety first. Uh, it's also important for fuel economy, but it doesn't make enormous differences, 2%, 3%. The uh, idling, the amount of time you spend idling, uh, particularly if you do things like you pull into a, uh, uh, you know, you pull over to the corner to talk to your wife on the cell phone because you're a safe driver and you don't want to do it while you're driving and you leave the engine running and you have a 20-minute conversation <laughs> and you're idling that whole time. Idling can can affect gas mileage we found by up to nineteen twenty percent. Oh wow. You know, depending on how much you know what percentage of uh, of, uh, of of time uh, you know during a trip you spend idling. So when you're in a lot of uh, really nasty traffic with a lot of stop and go, that's one again one reason that that uh, hybrids do so well in the city thing because the engine shuts off. Mm-hmm. And that's why most automakers in the next ten years virtually you know ten years from now virtually every automobile and truck sold will have auto stop start on it. Okay, that, and when you come to a, a red you light... come to a st- stop, yeah. the engine shuts off, and as soon as you lift your foot from the uh, ex- uh, brake pedal or apply pressure to the accelerator, it instantaneously starts up again. Okay. But all that idling, it's one, it's a lot cleaner through the tailpipe, and two, it saves a lot of gas, and it, it helps them get closer to the you know the, the, the new uh, cafe goals. Um, cruise control. If you use cruise control when you're uh, driving on the highways, uh, we found uh, various vehicles that differs. Uh, uh, our average was seven percent fuel economy savings. You know, with cruise with, control. With, with cruise control, uh, we found that uh, if you drive at uh, sixty versus seventy, average the uh, fuel savings in our testing was twelve percent. Mm. And, and here's the big one: uh, Jackrabbit starts uh, uh, waiting until the last minute to you know uh, it's just. Slam on the brakes uh, mm-hmm. when you're coming up to red lights, uh, or the car that's slowing down in front of you. Uh, you know, uh, rapid acceleration, a lot of passing, basically aggressive driving. Thirty percent. Ooh, wow. Thirty percent over the course of a you know, I'm, I'm leaving home and I'm going someplace, yeah. kind of a trip. And uh, you know, and those are huge numbers. And uh, uh, we were gratified to find because we did that way back in I think originally in 2005. We've done it a couple times since then, and we haven't found any reason to. Oh, we update the story, you know, when 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 numbers change. Mm-hmm. But we haven't found a lot of, uh, of changes. But recently, uh, Oak Ridge Laboratory, which does a lot of fuel economy work, uh, 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 did a uh, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, testing. And uh, they found uh, six factors that that can uh, you know really affect real world fuel economy, and uh, the proportion of stop and go driving you do right as much as twenty seven percent. Individual driving styles that's aggressive aggressive driving you know jackrabbit start mm-hmm. etc up to eighteen percent. Um, uh, what we found is that calm drivers 
who don't accelerate and, uh, and mm-hmm. who avoid unnecessary lane changes, et cetera, can get 35% better. Uh, Oak Ridge found that, uh, did find that air conditioner use was up to 14%. We simply didn't find that, but mm-hmm. uh, so you can believe whoever you want to believe. Okay. The size of the vehicle, you know, the smaller the vehicle, the easier it's going to, you know, less energy yeah. it takes to move it. So uh, if, if you if you favor Lincoln Continentals, you know, uh, you, you, you've got a, a, a large uh, uh, penalty to pay in okay. terms of the fuel economy. Yeah. And, uh, and also, uh, there's regions, weather and uh. terrain. If you live on top of a steep hill, don't expect to get EPA money. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me just uh, uh, ask you this. We, we, you know, you can pick this apart, find fault with the EPA test procedures and ratings. How good are they for comparing similar size vehicles? Well, that's, that's the thing that they're valuable for. Okay. You know, even if it says 40 miles per gallon, you can only get 30, um, it's still, you're still going to do better than the car that's EPA rated at 30 miles per gallon. Because you may only get twenty-five in that. Okay. Um, so within within groupings of vehicles, the EPA numbers are a good way to compare. This okay. one is most likely going to be more fuel efficient than that one, even if I can't get close. Okay. And and the thing I I always recommend to people is be honest about how you drive. If you are a Casper milk toast driver, lower the EPA rating by five percent. If you're an aggressive driver, lower it by fifteen. Okay. And 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 that will give you a much more honest idea of what you can expect to get out of that vehicle, and and you may do better or worse than those numbers even. But uh, but you you know just use the EPA numbers as a, a guideline within classes for what the most and least fuel efficient cars might be, uh, but don't take them as gospel. And uh, by the way, they are working on doing some more changes, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very slow and it's very painful. There's a lot of political reasons. Uh, you know, every time they knock stuff down, it tells the world, uh, "Gee, we're not doing as good as we thought we were." And politicians don't like to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the chances of a major overhaul of the EPA test procedures is what? A major overhaul? Yes. Probably ten to twenty. Okay. <laughs> All right, so. uh, an overhaul uh, and some changes, particularly with uh, you know the new alternative vehicles that are coming in, the hybrids and things, probably more like seventy or eighty percent. Okay, all right. That, that there will be some significant changes in the way they test them. An imperfect system, but probably the best one we've got. So so far, right. You know, except for your own system, uh, you, know, yeah. you know how you drive. Okay, John O'Dell, thank you very much for being on the show and sharing all your. Knowledge and information about the EPA fuel economy tests and estimates. My pleasure. Good talking to you. Take care. Okay. All right. That was John O'Dell, the senior editor of Edmunds.com. And that is about all the time we have for this week's episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Hope you'll join us next week for another discussion of making smart choices about buying and owning a vehicle and saving money. Please visit my website, carstrucksandbucks.com, for more information about next week's topic and guest, news updates, and vehicle reviews. And once again, thanks to my guest today, John O'Dell of Edmunds.com. Thanks to you for listening, and please drive safely. So long, everyone. <laughs>